Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today Bloom and I are sitting down with Amanda Barnhart. Now, I was so excited for today's episode because Amanda, first and foremost, is awesome. And second, she talks all about vulnerability. And you guys know how much I love an authentic conversation about how we become the best versions of ourselves and how we share that. Amanda shares so authentically and so truly about what she's experienced on social media, how she has had the vulnerability hangover, right? We post something and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, did I just post that? How she's gotten over that and how she continues to share her life so genuinely on the internet. As we kick off this first episode of the new year, I want to invite you to begin and start and crush the EOE 40 challenge with us over at NC Fit. I will link how to get involved in the show notes, but basically it's 40 days of better eating, better sleeping, better training, and a clean sink at the end of every day. You might laugh about the clean sink, but it's true. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And let's make the boring awesome. Let's do the mundane extraordinarily well. Sign up for the EOE 40 challenge. We have a lot of sponsors, a lot of really awesome giveaways going in hand with that. So be sure to sign up with the link in the show notes. Until next week, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Bloom. I'm here with Linz and Amanda Barnhart. Amanda, competitor, physical therapist, wife, dog mom, like all of the amazing things that you are. Before we even get into all of those things, we'd love to kick off every episode the way we do. How are you making waves? Well, thanks for having me, ladies. We're getting deep right away. Um, When you first say that, I'm like, I'm not making any waves, but of course we're all making waves in our own way. Like every single person in this world is making waves. And when I really think about it, I think that one of my gifts is being really vulnerable and being myself and not afraid to do that. Um, especially in a world of social media, a lot of people can be fake. A lot of people can hide behind their social media and everyone does it to an extent. I'm not always completely honest on my social media about exactly how I'm feeling that day or training or life or whatever is going on. But I always try to be authentic and be real and remind people that like, we are all human beings. We all are going through suffering. We're all having good days and bad days and stuff like that. And I think it's important to pour into that as much as I possibly can, because there's such lack of that, especially in social media. Um, sometimes in person too, you know, you meet with people and it's superficial conversations like, hi, how are you? And like, really, like, how are you? Like, that's the kind of conversations that I want to have. I want to help people. I want to inspire people that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to be honest. And it's okay to not love yourself every second of the day and love your body all of the time. And stuff like that, that I just hope that I can be a voice to people to inspire them to know that it's really not okay to pretend all the time. And it's, you'll feel so much better and so much more at peace if you're yourself and you're being your true self and constantly trying to figure out who that is because that person may be changing, which is okay, but staying in tune with that and being proud of it, I think is super important. And that is a way that I hope that I am impacting the community and continue to, as I grow as a human myself. 
Okay. I'm already loving where this is going. <laughs> Bloom and I both lit up so much when you said vulnerable and authenticity. Those are like our two, <laughs> two big things for us. Um, something that strikes me, especially being in the health and fitness world, it's so easy to get caught up in the messaging that, right. Like you are supposed to love your body all the time, or you are supposed to be so health forward and, you know, conscious of these different things. So what are you doing or what practices do you have, or what do you do to stay curious and authentic and vulnerable to what that actual experience is for you, instead of just putting out the messaging that might be what's expected. Mm -hmm. I think step one is awareness. And step two is being honest with yourself. Like how can you be honest? Well, first of all, if you're not aware that it's an issue, you're, you can never be honest about anything. So you have to be aware of what's going on. You have to be very self-aware of, you know, what your thoughts are doing to yourself. You know, you're having negative thoughts. That's okay. That's something that I always try to remind people, like, it's absolutely okay to have bad thoughts. It's just being aware of them and knowing what to do with them. So if you can find awareness in yourself, that's your number one, you're already doing better than a lot of people. And number two, if you, what you choose to do with that awareness, like, are you willing to work on it? Are you willing to try and change the thoughts? Are you willing to accept? It just depends on the day. Like some days you're accepting the thoughts and moving on. And some days you're setting them aside and saying like, I can't deal with this today, but I'm aware that it's there. And then there's other days where you're like actually trying to work through it. And for me, that is being honest about it. So it's like, you're aware of it and then you need to be honest about it. So whether for me, that's talking to someone or journaling about it, like sometimes you're not ready to talk to anyone about anything and that's okay. I think journaling is very powerful for that reason. Like you can write something down and, or like I've found recently with journaling, like something will be bothering me. I know, but I'm not ready to even like journal about it. I'll like write a blurb. And then I'm like, I'm going to come back to that. And then usually it's like, I'm pretty quick to come around to it. it's the next morning. I'm like, Oh, I'm ready for this. And then I'll like write it all out and talk about how I'm feeling. And then I feel really good. So I feel like it's the same thing with whether it's body image or something in life that's bothering you, that isn't related to your body and loving your body. It's for me going through that process is what continues to help me. And then I get to the point where I can be honest on social media or I can share it more with the public because I've gone through that process myself. Okay. Where did you get this like toolbox from? Because I think that so many people see, I guess, athletes or they see people, coaches, even in their gyms, I'm just thinking, and, and it's really easy to say like, well, of course they can do that. Right. Like, of course they have that skill. But where did that come from for you? I'm just really curious to know, you know, how you developed all these tools. Um, I've, I've never journaled before. I've never, I've always, I think I'm naturally very self-aware. I think that that's just something that I'm good at, but I didn't realize it. Like I was just always like analyzing myself and having these thoughts and like, but never really realized what was happening when it was happening. But, um, after the 2018 games, I started working with Justin Sua. He's a mental performance coach. He is amazing. If you guys don't listen to his podcast or follow him on social media, you should. But I think this is one of my favorite things. It's the best. It's like start it's your day so with good. such a like three minutes of just something that's like, oh, duh, this is great. Um, but anyways, yeah, I started talking to him and working with him then. And that was like one of his biggest things then was awareness on everything. 
being aware aware of something is the first step in no matter what you're trying to work on in your life. Um, and then number two, he just really, um, encouraged me to journal. And I honestly, like until maybe this last year, I feel like I've like truly enjoyed journaling. Like before I did it because I'm a dedicated person and I, I'm, I'm a habit, a creature of habit. So like I journaled every morning because that was what I did. Not because I felt like I was really getting much out of it. And now I'm finally at the point a few years later where I'm like, now I see the benefit in it. And like, he always says that like the, the strongest, oh shoot, I'm going to mess this up. It's something about like the weakest pen. Oh, the weakest pen is stronger than the strongest memory or something like that. So it's like writing it down. Like, it's like, why do I need to write this down? I'm thinking it like, it's fine. Why do I need to write it down? But like, once you do write it down, you feel different. And like each time you do it, it gets better and better. So, um, I definitely cannot take credit for either of those things. Like it's definitely Justin who has inspired me, both of those in me. It's so funny because I know for me, journaling was the same way. I think that there's a lot of times we talk about journaling. We talk about mindfulness and meditation. We talk about all of these things that quote unquote high performers do. And I would find myself doing them similarly to what you said, because it was like, I was supposed to, I was a creature of habit. It's like, that's what all of these people are doing and they're successful. So maybe if I do it, I will be. And one of the big ahas for me was things make so much sense in my head, like false core beliefs make so much sense in my head. And then I write them down and seeing it in my handwriting and reading it all of a sudden I can like point out the fallacies. I can see where like, Oh, that actually is so not mine to take on or anything like that. Um, have you had any of those big moments where you were like, I thought I had this all figured out. And then all of a sudden I journaled about it, or I worked with Justin about it or all these things. And it completely reframed my thinking on something. Um, I think so. I think it's kind of, I can't think of like a specific example, but I think it's kind of like, like the emotional process of how, you know, how you go through anything. So it's like, at first it's just like thoughts and like the original, originally it starts with thoughts that like you think are going to go a certain way, but then you start writing something and it like takes you a completely different direction. And then you like write a thought down that you're like, huh? Oh, okay. That was it. And it was like, you would have never started writing, thinking that you were going to get to that point or have that realization. And the fact that you've got there is so cool because it's like, I've just started writing, like basically just telling a story about something that happened. And then it like, all of a sudden you get to this point and you're like, oh, this is so cool. And like, I feel like there's always little lessons in that. And like, even though you're not necessarily like journaling to find a lesson every day, but it, it does happen. And it's really cool how it happens. Free therapy. <laughs> like seriously, there's so many times where I'm with a client and I have not said anything and they're kind of just telling me their process or the story and they stop themselves. They're like, oh, I've never said that, or I've never like made that conclusion. So, I mean, obviously I'm a gigantic advocate of therapy, but if you need something that's just to get your thoughts out and find that aha moment, journaling is definitely, definitely helpful for that. Um, how has it been becoming such a big influence on social media and sharing as vulnerably as you do. Cause I could imagine like bloom. And I talk a lot that like, as much as we share authentically, there is some sort of it that's performative and it's performative as like your business or 
the messaging. And it doesn't mean that it's inauthentic. It just means that like, yeah, I'm going to do this like trendy dance to this song or use this real audio because it's trending and more people are going to see that message. How has that been kind of meshing the worlds of social media and authenticity? Oh my gosh. It's such a fine line. And it's like, it's almost like a game. You feel like you have to play with Instagram and it's like really frustrating because it feels like they have the power, like of who's going to see your post and like how well it's going to do. And like, you put so much effort or vulnerability into a post sometimes, and it doesn't do how you want it to do, or doesn't get to people that you're hoping, you know, it's like, oh man, not that many people saw this. Like why? Like Instagram, why did you do this to me? So it's hard not to get annoyed with that and like, want to kind of give up and just be like, you know, and I'm just going to like make my post and move on and, you know, not put as much heart into it because sometimes it feels like it gets looked over. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I, 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 number one, I need to make money. Like I'm an athlete. And like, I think sometimes people forget that, that like we have platforms and it's great and we are people and we, and I absolutely want to share being a human being, but at the end of the day, I still have to make money. And like sponsors are the way that we make money. And I try to make that as authentic as possible, but sometimes it's just like, there's only so much you can do. And, um, part of me gets frustrated with people. Cause I just want them to understand that. Like, it's like, this is literally our job and this is how we are making a living and able to be athletes that you guys like to watch. And that like, you know, we can do well and not have to go work a nine to five job and try to be an amazing athlete. So I think part of me gets frustrated with that because I don't want to come across as inauthentic because I have a bunch of sponsors, but it's also like, it is the life that we live and it is, you know, it's, an amazing life. And I'm so thankful for it, but it's part of the job. And so I try to balance that with like still putting personal stuff on there and still putting training stuff that doesn't have to do with the sponsor and still putting body image stuff out there. And like, you know, all of that. And it's like, it does get exhausting. And I get to a point sometimes where I'm just like, I'm so sick of Instagram. Like I don't even want to open it. I don't want to post anything. Like I just want to let it go. And like, that's okay too. I think it's good for you to do that occasionally, but moral of the story, I go through ups and downs where I'm feeling like super inspired. And I like want to do Q and A's like every week. And then I, you know, want to do a reels every single day because I, I think they're fun to do. And they usually are doing well on Instagram right now. And then I go through a phase where I'm like, gosh, I don't want to post anything. Like when's the next time I have to post something? Like, I'm just going to like lay low for a couple of days. So it's challenging. I definitely don't have it figured out, but, um, it's way more of a blessing than a curse. So I would never sit here and complain about it because it's amazing life that I get to live. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned for sure. The past couple of years, um, having an online business, you know, like you kind of have to show up on Instagram and it's not necessarily like a bad thing, but it is the reality of owning a business or being an athlete where you're relying on, you know, selling something to make a living. Um, and I'm curious to know, cause I know for me, it was a lot of, well, it doesn't matter what I post because it's not going to like the algorithm's not, not working in my favor. So it doesn't even matter, but balancing that with if three people see it, that's still three people that, you know, were affected by that post. Um, and a little bit of it too, was, you know, like imposter syndrome of, I don't know that I'm even putting out content that's worth going viral, you know, like that's everybody's dream is for something to go viral. Cause so many people see it. Um, but I'm curious if you went through that with any of, you know, taking on sponsors or, 
um, posting on social media and sharing all of these things? Like, did that ever come up for you? Um, a little bit, but honestly, not really. The transition was easy for me. And I think that is just because I'm like so easily vulnerable and not afraid to share things. So, and that is definitely it like some, somehow I've always been that way. So I didn't really like think too much about it. I was just like immediately posting what I thought and, you know, writing, like, you know, making a post about training today, like legitimately being like, okay, what happened in training today? Like tell the story, like write about it. You don't need to sit here and think of something creative. It's like, if you're sad, if you're going through something like post about that, like it makes posting easier. It makes the time to write it easier. It's not, you're not pulling teeth. Like you're literally just sharing your life and like, you know, increments and small parts, but it, for me, that part is easy. And I do sometimes see other people and I'm like, man, I wish like these people have such big platforms. I wish they did more with it. Like I, Mm. I see, you know, and it's like post something real, like, you know, that they're not just grinding every single day on Instagram, like, you know, grinding, meaning training, like, it's just, we're just grinding. We're just working hard. And it's like, okay, what are you really doing? Like, what are you really going through? Like, that's what people want to see. Um, so I do think that I sometimes get frustrated with that just because it seems like the easy way out to just, and I do that. Don't get me wrong. I do that, but it, I think it would mean a lot more if more people did it more often. And it would, you know, just show that not everything is sunshine in rainbows and like, it's okay to be honest on social media. And it may like change social media a little bit to where we're not always like, man, this person's life is really, really good. Like we have more of an idea of what's, cause that's the whole point of social media is to share your life. Right. And it's like, why has it turned into sharing only the good things in your life? Right. Or only the fit tea and your like six days to losing belly fat or whatever it is. That's always popping up on my thing. Um, I do think it's really interesting that we see, and, and I'm totally guilty of this too. You know, you start following an athlete or a celebrity and you don't take in, like you're following them on Instagram. You're getting a, a view or a lens into their personal life. And I don't think many people take into account, like you're an athlete, like you didn't, I I could be wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like, you didn't sign up to be an athlete to become an Instagram influencer. Um, so how has that been to be like, damn, like I have this platform, I have this thing that I have to now manage and run where I really just wanted to compete or I wanted to like do this thing that really lights me up. And now I'm having to balance sponsors and all these things online. Uh, yeah, at first it was hard because I was like, it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes when you have a lot of things required of you or the, I mean, photo shoots, like I had never had a photo shoot in my life. And I'm like the first photo shoot I had, I was terrified. I had no clue what I was doing. And like, it was a, not a super experienced photographer that I had. And he was kind of like, okay, do something. And I'm like, do something. Like, I have no clue what to do. (laughs) all I know how to do in front of a camera is smile. So like, I don't know what you're looking for. And like, obviously that's progressed a lot since then. I have a better idea of what to do. And I've worked with tons of photographers who know exactly what they're doing. And they tell you exactly how to stand and what lifts do and like, make it super easy for you. But like, I remember several times I'm like, I didn't sign up to be a model. Like, yeah, part of this is kind of fun. It's also very stressful, like coming off of 
Thanksgiving one year, I had a sponsor that wanted a, a photo shoot like two days after. And I was like having a panic attack. I'm like, no, I don't want to have a photo shoot two days after Thanksgiving. Like talk about stressful. Like I don't want to be worried about what I'm eating on Thanksgiving because everyone is puffy days after Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. You didn't think, and you see photos of everyone. It's like, oh, we're expected to always have abs. It's like, if we don't have abs in a photo shoot that we're and those photos are going to be used forever. It's not like you're just posting one photo. It's like these, this is going to be a collection of photos that are going to be used for months and months and months. It's like, no, I don't want to do it the week after Christmas or the week after Thanksgiving or, you know, and like stuff like that. It's like, I didn't sign up for that. But at the same time, I've grown to number one, get used to it, know how to manage the schedules better. Um, getting better at accepting my body in the different phases that it goes through throughout the year. And like, off season is the time to do photo shoots and off season is the time where I don't love my body as much. So it's, that isn't something that I've had to accept. And it's just part of, you know, it seems like, you know, you see some people and you're like, man, do they always have the perfect abs? And right after the games, like a month out of the games, like how do some people manage that? And, you know, most people only have the great abs a month before the games. And that's the reality, but that's the worst time to do a photo shoot because you're training so much. Um, so yeah, that part of it, I was like frustrated because it's like, as much as I like posting and I love being a part of the social media, um, the photo shooting part was hard for me. Um, when people ask for like, you know, shoot us this video of you talking about this. And I'm like, okay, I'm also not an actress. Like this is hard to do too. Like be on the spot. Tell me what to say. Like, don't mess it up. Sound authentic, sound excited. Like, you know, and it's most of the time my sponsors, I love everything that I'm using. And, you know, I'm, it's easy to do, but sometimes if there's like a slight script where it's like, you know, make sure you don't forget all these points. I'm like, ah, I'm forgetting everything that I'm not supposed to forget because I'm a human being who isn't trained to do acting. And that's what it feels like. So yeah, stuff like that gets frustrating and challenging because it's time consuming and also just stressful. But And I did at one point when I was like very stressed about the beginning of social media and doing all of the sponsor stuff, someone was like, yeah, why don't I just have someone else do your social media for you? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I want it to be me. Like as much as it is work and it is a job, like I never want someone writing my post for me or even posting it. Like I, I want to keep that, like no matter how much it grows, I want to be the person that's writing it and deciding when it goes and, you know, what it says and what the picture looks like and all of that. So you enjoy writing. Yes. I could kind of tell, Mm -hmm. um, what is your kind of like favorite format for writing? Is it longer format things like blog posts or is it social media captions and things like that? Like some people love that stuff. Um, well, I've literally never written really anything. So other than social media posts, so I guess that's it. Like I've never written a blog or anything, but if you asked me to, I would love to. Um, I, I like to write a blog. I run the NC fit edit. So I'll gladly put it up there. <laughs> I don't really think about it. I don't know if I want to add something else to my plate right now. <laughs> In the off season. Yeah. No, I do really like writing. I don't really have like any sort of, I just try to be like when something is like the thoughts come to me, I just try to like type it out on my phone. And then just like, usually it becomes a social media caption or lately it's been in my journal. So a lot of stuff's in my journal that I haven't done much with, but 
I think that it's just a natural thing for me. It's nothing that I've ever really like done, done, but I've just enjoy. I'm, I'm good at, um, what did I say? I'm good at like, uh, formulating my thoughts and feelings into words, whether it's verbally talking to people or writing it down. So I try to use that when I'm like having a moment where it feels like it's there and using it for good. I always joke that that's when you're sourcing, like I am sourcing right now. And I just got to like type this Mm -hmm. shit out. Um, so Brene Brown talks about vulnerability hangovers. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but Brene Brown is incredible. And I can't, I think I have gifted her book daring greatly more times than I can count. It's never actually on my bookshelf because I'm giving it to somebody else all the time, but the book daring greatly. Okay. Um, and she also has the gifts of imperfection and, um, what's the other one bloom into the wilderness or something. I don't know. She's got a ton of into them. the wild into the wild. Okay. I need to listen. I've been doing a lot of walking. So I'm doing like a ton of, um, audio books. Right so I would I definitely need to add that to my list. Daring Hi, greatly is one of my all time go-tos for anybody trying to overcome the, the narrative. And this is one I had for a long time is like, I have to be strong. I can't show my emotions. I need to like show up, kick ass, take names, do all the things. And the biggest reframe that she offers in the beginning of the book is like, if being vulnerable is something you're so afraid to do, isn't that one of the most courageous things you can do? Mm-hmm. And so she goes into all these different assets of your life and, um, kind of dives into where vulnerability can be used in them. But she talks about the vulnerability hangover and she gave a Ted talk and got done with it. And the next morning woke up and was like, what the hell did I just do? Like, what did I just put out into the world? And, you know, thankfully she got overwhelming positive response back, but has there ever been a post where, because you talk about body image and you talk really really honestly about it, which I love. Um, I think that there's a lot of athletes that, like I said, have that message. It's like, love your body always. And, um, you do a very good job of, of saying it doesn't always have to be always. And here's what I'm going through. Have, does anything stick out in your mind when you have posted it and been like, "Ah, what did I just do? What did I just post? And if you have what, what was it and what was kind of the response to it? Um, yeah pretty much every time I post about my body image, I'm like, I read the caption like a million times and I'm like, okay, I think it's good. And I'm like, am I sure you want to do this? And then I'll like show my husband. I'm like, is this, I'll always say, is this too much? (laughs) And he's like, no, I think it's good. And I'm like, okay. And then I'll like, as soon as I post it, I'm just like nervous about like how people are going to react. And like, it's most of the time positive. Um, and like, sometimes I, and I'm not even like that. I'm afraid to write it because it really is the truth. I'm afraid that people think I'm searching for compliments. Like I'm absolutely not writing that. I don't like my body in this photo because I want everyone to be like, Oh my God, you look amazing. Like, and that's sometimes what it feels like. And I, I don't want to come across that way, but I also want to be real and be like, here's the deal. I know I look good in this photo, but I still don't like it. And like, here's why. And this, I feel this way. Like, yeah, you can see my abs and yeah, a lot of people would kill to have this body. Like I'm fully aware of that, but I still don't like, it's still me. And I still have insecurities. And like, so it's like finding the line to share that without feeling like I'm searching for people to lift me up because I don't 
I don't need that. I'm not looking for social media for that. Like, obviously it feels good. Like everyone's going to get endorphins from it, but I don't define myself by what everyone on social media is telling me whether they like my body or not. Um, so I think that that is probably the biggest struggle I have with it. It's like, because people see my body and they're like, she's struggling with body image issues. Really? Like, I hate that response because I understand it. I totally understand. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at someone who's really overweight and they like really hate their body and they're really struggling and they see, Oh, just another fit girl with abs who says she hates her body. It's like, I hate that. And I, it's, so that's probably the biggest thing I struggle with. It's like, it's not that I'm scared to be honest. It's that I'm scared to be so honest that it almost comes across as not being vulnerable. If that makes any sense at all. (laughs) Totally. I think that's a really interesting perspective to have too, because you're sharing in a way that's like, Hey, everybody goes through this, but there's always inevitably going to be people that are, are on the other side of that coin saying, well, she has no right. You know, like she should feel lucky that she feel that she has that body or that she can do X, Y, or Z. How are you, I mean, and this is not an answerable question, right? But like, how do we change that? How do we change how people see that? Because that's something that we, we've talked about this, me and Lindsay before around, like we go into the gym and we constantly are comparing ourselves to other people because that's just who we're around. And we forget that, you know, there are people around us or not around us that don't have these types of bodies and, and they see us very, very differently. But that conversation is so incredibly powerful to be able to have. So I don't know if you have any ideas, but I'm open to any ideas that you do have. Yeah. I mean, my initial thoughts are just like, and I always try to make this clear. It's like comparison is like the thief of your joy in yourself. Like, and we all know that, but it's like actually believing that like the second you're comparing, like you were made a certain way for a reason and like accepting that and being like, okay, I'm this way. And I'm going to focus on being the best me, whatever that means. Like I have great hips, like let's work as hard as I can to accentuate my hips or and that's not me, but like, you know, for example, and it's, that's why I always try to end the post or the, whatever I write is like, this is my story. And this is my body. Like I want to encourage people to do the same thing for their body. And it's, although it's totally different into someone else, it may look like their dream body. Um, it's the importance of focusing on yourself. And like, I think that's why the, the body image things are such a slippery slope. Cause it's like, you're sharing this truth and you're trying to encourage people to focus on themselves, but you're also posting this picture of yourself that may cause more jealousy and more, more stress from someone, you know, that's seen it and saying, this just makes me feel worse. But at the end of the day, if you are doing a body image post like that, and let's hope that 80% of the women are inspired by it. And 20% of them feel worse about themselves because of it. It's like, I'm still glad I made the post. It's better than not making it, but I don't think we're ever going to win that. You know, maybe it's just time. Like maybe that the girl that sees it the first time and she's like, you know, hurt by it and disappointed that like someone with a body like mine doesn't love her body all the time. And then maybe they see it again or they see someone else do it and they're more forgiving to it the next time. Like this is me just spitballing on the, on the spot, but like, maybe it's just something that needs to be seen with reps that eventually they're going to see it for what it is and appreciate it and be able to love themselves that way. 
Yeah, totally. I always say, um, especially when working with my nutrition clients, like a lot of times I will have people come to me, mostly women saying that they want to lose weight. They want to lose X amount of pounds, or they want to get back to a weight that they were once in their past. And so often I find that it's not actually about the weight. It's not actually about looking a certain way. It's like what that means for them. And I think that this is all part of the same conversation of how do you actually want to feel? And does it, is it aligned with losing weight or having this like certain type of body, or is it about how you want to feel? And that I think is such a powerful shift for people to start to maybe lean into, you know, like, why is it triggering you that Amanda's post, you know, about how she doesn't like her body in this photo? Why does that trigger you to feel a certain way? You know, like, do you think that having that would cure everything? Or um, did you like, I don't know, did you really think that it was going to be like the thing that solves whatever your unhappiness is? But I think it's so powerful to continue sharing because like you're saying, like if it's 80% of people, that's, that's a huge amount, even if it's less than that, like I would even say if it's 60, 40 or 50, 50, even like that still is an impact that you make on the people around you. And that I think is super, super freaking cool. So what do you think, um, in terms of like in terms of sharing, in terms of posting on your social media, what's your, maybe like your ideal situation for 10 years from now, mm-hmm. maybe even five years from now. Cause I think 10 is like really long. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, the, the easy answer for me is that I'm still being just as vulnerable and I'm still sharing what I'm going through. And that the only thing that I have thought about is like, are people still going to care? You know, Mm -hmm. like if five years down the road, I'm going through this and I'm still sharing whatever it is, because that's what I like to do. I like to share the truth of what I'm going through. Like at what point are people not going to care anymore? And, you know, can I still somehow make an impact and help people? That's huge. Um, that's like, I always think of, um, like when you create a business plan, you have to, you know, look three, five, 10 years down the line. And so often I think we get like way too rigid in what it looks like, but it can be so powerful to leave it up to, you know, I hope I'm just making that impact. I hope I, it doesn't necessarily have to look the same way, um, to be there. And that's something I always try and have conversations with clients around too. Um, and then I try to remind myself is, like it may not look exactly how you want it to look, but it still can be so cool and so awesome. And it might be nothing that you expected. Is that kind of like what you have experienced with competing or did you kind of like expect it to be this way? I don't think I had any expectations, honestly. I like got thrown into it. I'm just like, okay, here we are. Um, yeah, it, it happens so fast for me, which sounds horrible. It happened so fast. And it just like, you got, you know, I like regionals and the games and then social media blew up and it was just like, it was there. And it was like, I went from like nobody to somebody in CrossFit so quickly. And 
I didn't even have time to process it or think about it because I was just trying to get ready for the games. And I guess, you know, as I was younger and I watched CrossFit, I think this is going to make me feel old, but like it was, there wasn't, I wasn't on Instagram back then, you know, I just watched CrossFit. So I didn't even have that to think. Like I never once thought like, oh, I can't wait to get Instagram followers or, you know, I never once thought that because it just wasn't it's changed so much over the last several years that that, like, that was never my goal. It was never anything that even crossed my mind. It's like, you just do the work, you show up to regionals, you make the games and you be yourself and it just happens. And like, not everyone's story goes that way, but that is how mine went. And yeah. So to answer your question, it's like it, I don't, I didn't have any expectations. So like, it is definitely wonderful. And I'm, I absolutely love the athlete life and I would do it forever if I could, but (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm getting old. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's like, I saw this meme the other day that was like, you know, wow, she looks so great for 70. And it's like in the sports world, like oldest athlete on the court, 32, when's he going to retire? You know, it's like such a different lifestyle for, for us. And it's such a, a, a different mindset. Um, there's, I'm like over here thinking of every book I've ever read, but, um, there was an interview, I believe it was with an Olympic softball player. And she was saying that essentially like athletes die twice. They have like the death or grieving that comes from retiring their sport. And then they have their like actual physical passing. Right. And I think that one thing CrossFit has done, and I don't know if this is just the way it's set up, you know, it's not like you go into the NBA and you sign this multi-million dollar contract, right? Like you show up, you do some of the most insane, crazy things for seven days at the CrossFit games. And it's like, maybe you're standing on the podium with a check. Maybe you're not, maybe you have that white Jersey. Maybe you don't. And then it's like, okay, start grinding again. And it's created this world where you were saying like athletes make money through sponsors. Some have nine to five, some you know, when you retire from your sport for better or for worse, you do have more to your life than that sport. Um, because you've had, you've been pushed into a world where you've had to create something like that. Um, so knowing that and knowing you're a physical therapist, right? Like knowing that you had this whole path in front of you and then all of a sudden, boom, I went to the games. I woke up to all of these followers on Instagram. I'm assuming this is how it went right? Like I got dropped into this position of like, Hey, now you're an influencer. What was that like to kind of juggle the life that you, the path that you were on? And then all of a sudden it was like, psych, this is what you're going to do now. How have you managed that? Um, it was hard at first, like, because I, I went to school for seven years, got my doctorate, like, and you're, once you do that, like you're on a path and to tell people, I think the first time when I, you know, was taking a part-time job, I felt embarrassed to tell people like, you're going to take a part-time job after you just went to school for seven years to get your doctorate to chase a dream that might not happen. And it was like, that was, that reality was hard for me to accept. And then I, I did that. I mean, cause obviously I knew that that's absolutely what I had to do to make it. And then once I made it and I'm quitting my job and I'm no longer working and people are like, oh, you're still a physical therapist. Like you don't practice. Right. And it's like, yeah, I went to school for seven years, got my doctorate and I'm not using it. Like, yes, I hate admitting that, but it's like, that's the reality of the the path that my life took. And I have to believe it happened for a reason. And 
I, you know, I'm doing CEU credits right now because I'm not going to let my license expire, even though I'm not using it. Um, because I know I'm going to use it against someday, somehow, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, I definitely went through phases where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, you know, and I, I wonder what the people that I went to physical therapy school with think, you know, like she's not even being a physical therapist. Like (laughs) they're probably not surprised because I was working out all the time during PT school, like running out of class to go exercise. But I just think it is this stigma that I put on myself. I don't think anyone else is really thinking it. It's just some like a judgment that I've put on myself. Like, I can't believe you, you know, you, this goal was so big in my life, like to reach PT, get in getting into PT school is so hard, like getting into it and then dedicating the three years of hell of studying. Like I got through it, I got my doctorate and then I'm just like, "Ah, okay, I'm not going to use it. (laughs) Like that was like really, really hard for me. Um, but now I'm totally okay with it. And I fully believe it happened for a reason. And I'm, I'm so proud that I have it. I'm, I don't regret going to PT school. Definitely took away years from CrossFit, but, um, that was my path. So I'm not sure what's going to happen after CrossFit, but I'm, you know, I think combining the two worlds could be really awesome. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into my next question. How much does your PT background play into how you train, how you move your body, what your programming looks like. Um, because I think that there's, and myself included, like I was the kind of athlete that was like, wrap it, tape it, ice it, take some ibuprofen, come back tomorrow. Right. And then after getting really hurt and having all the information I had from my PT, I was like, damn, I wish I was doing this before. Right. It's like the prehab before the, the rehab. Um, how does it play a part in what you're doing today and what your competition looks like? Um, so there's definitely two sides to me. I have the side where I can sometimes be too smart and I'm like, you know, this is dumb. Like I shouldn't be doing this. Like, you know, like, and I have to sometimes turn that off and be like, Amanda, you're a professional athlete. It's not supposed to be smart all the time. It's not supposed to make sense. Like sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. The day I'm in the gym for health, I'm never going to do anything that doesn't make sense or do anything that's dumb or, you know, that isn't great for my body. But right now I don't always have that luxury. So there are times where I need, you know, I need coaches to be like, all right, it's okay. Like, this is the time where we may have to push through a little bit of shoulder pain, or this is the time where we have to suck it up and ignore, you know, whatever it is that I think is a little bit off. And then there's other times where like, I am an athlete and I do need someone to back me down like everyone else does. And it's like, you know, your foot's hurting when you're running and you're still running eight miles. Like, why did you do that? Like, maybe we should take some time off. Like I still need those reminders. I still need people holding me accountable because although I know better does not mean that I'm going to always practice what I preach. Um, and I think sometimes it's like with anything, like just because you're a dietitian doesn't mean you eat perfectly and you shouldn't. And just because you're a physical therapist and you know, you know, the mechanics of the body and how to heal injuries and, you know, get places quicker with injuries. It doesn't mean that I'm always doing the best thing that I can do. So I definitely like play on both sides of the field. I do look forward to a day where I truly can go to the gym and be like, okay, what's best for my body today, how it feels. Don't have to worry about anything other than how I feel in my health and not have the looming, you know, competitions over my head where it's like, you know, this doesn't write today, but I still have to do it anyways. Okay. I'm going to go controversial here. So I know we were talking about this internally at NC fit and the boys actually did, um, one of the effort weekly, a bunch of the guys from NC fit sit down and basically drink coffee together and do a podcast. 
And they were saying how like one of the guys like, I will never do a handstand pushup again in my life. You know, there's certain things that we do for competition. There's certain things that are super sexy in the gym, right? When you first walk into a CrossFit gym, you're like, whoa, like that's awesome. I can't wait to do that one day. And I think those goals are really awesome to have. But for the actual longevity of the sport or longevity of your body, it's kind of like, okay, if I'm not competing, I will never handstand walk for fun in the gym again, right? Um, What are some of the movements that you're like, yeah, once competition is over, I don't think for my own functional use, I would ever train these movements again. Um, I don't... I don't want to say ever again, like, but I don't love GHD setups. I don't think the repeated hyperextension is great. Like there's way better ways to work on your abs. Now, granted, if they come up in a workout and I feel fine doing them, like I'll do them, but I, they are one of the movements that I, especially people who don't have the strength that they should, and they don't have core stability and they don't have body awareness and they they're trying to get their core stronger. They're trying to lose their belly fat. And I see them over on the GHD machine. Like that's what makes me cringe. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to like hold a hollow position and like learn how to turn on your deep core. Like you do not need to be doing GHD sit-ups. So for me, it's like, it's hard to answer that question for me versus like for other people. Like for me, I can do that because I'm always going to have the body awareness. I'm always going to have the, the PT awareness of, you know, this is too much, or I shouldn't do this. Same thing with handstand pushups. It's like, I, I, I probably, I love handstand pushups. I don't think they're great for your neck, but like, I also have enough awareness to know when it's bothering me and like, what is too much. And if I was being a stickler for the community and their necks, like I would say, yeah, no one really needs to be doing handstand pushups ever, but they're fun. And like, if we can find the balance of being smart with them, it's like, it's really no more dangerous than like doing anything else that we do in life. Like we, you know, we ride in a car and that's dangerous. We fly on planes and you know, like anything that you're doing in life, is going to have risk. So I never want to be the person to say, don't do this. Like it's going to hurt you. But I think the biggest issue in CrossFit is the lack of body awareness or the lack of ego ability to drop their egos and think that they're ready for something that they're not for ready for to where injuries come from doing handstand pushups or kipping pull-ups before they're ready. And, you know, the long list of things that people get injured doing in CrossFit or lifting too much weight. Um, so yeah, I I've kind of evolved with that, my feelings in that. And like, so there is definitely like, I'll be in a gym and it's hard for me to see someone doing something like that person should not be doing that. And it's like, all I can do not to run over to them and stop them in their tracks, but it doesn't mean they should never be doing it. It just means like, they're not ready for it. Um, yeah. So long story short, there is nothing specific where I'm like, well, I probably will never climb the pegboard again, just because I hate it. And <laughs> it's scary. And it's like, why do I need to be doing that? But like, that's not because of a, a health reason. I mean, it does really hurt my elbow, but it's not necessarily like a health reason. It's just like, there's no reason for me to be doing that after I'm done competing. Yeah, totally. On the flip side of that, conversation, what are some movements, um, that you would say are very important to have for longevity? Like what ranges of motions to continue to train, to help people move the best they can for as long as they can. I mean, I think it's obviously important to squat and I don't think that everyone needs to squat below parallel. They just need to squat to a a point that is, you know, that their body allows them to safely and comfortably, you know, so we can keep our legs strong because I think that 
the, the main issue as people get older and their knees start to hurt and they say they just have bad knees in their family. It's like, no, you have bad knees because your quads are weak and you're not using them. So it's like, if we can encourage people to squat and hinge and deadlift properly, like knowing how to pick things up off the floor, that's super important. And like knowing how to brace your core, you know, knowing how to pull, like doing all of all of the movements in CrossFit, like translate over. But if there's no awareness to that, like what good is it doing us? It's like, teaching them in the gym and then being like, this is how you become more aware in your daily life is really important. So I think that just, you know, we're always going to be squatting. We're always going to be deadlifting. We're always going to be pressing. I think pull-ups, maybe not kipping, but strict pull-ups are great forever. Like push-ups are great. And if we're aware of our position, whether we're scaling them on a box or something that like people are getting all of those functional movements in and it's making them stronger. So like they can pick stuff up and carry groceries or, you know, stuff that they don't even think about because they're so easily getting stronger in the gym that it translates over. Um, I think that's the most important. It's like, it's such a misconception outside of the CrossFit world, not in the CrossFit world that like squatting is bad for your knees. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we need to squat. Like you have bad knees because you don't squat. And that's something that like in CrossFit, everyone knows that, but if we can like get that out to the rest of the society that's like sitting on their couch all day and wondering why their knees are hurting. It's like, because you're not using your leg muscles. Amen. I had that conversation with my mom so many times in the past that like, it doesn't have to be below parallel for it to count as a squat. And like, you could sit down on a chair and stand up and it's still like, that could be your squatting for the day. My mom has had like two knee replacements. So she's, uh, she's in that place of my knees hurt all the time. So I'm always like, you just like, you need to use them. And if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait personally for you to start practicing because I feel like you're going to build the most badass um, humans in the gym and outside of the gym, because honestly, that's what it's about, right? It's like being able to enjoy the rest of your life. Um, but I'm curious, and this is our last question before we um, let you go, but what outside of the gym do you love using your fitness for? Ooh, that's a hard question for me. I'll, I'm pretty much like game for anything, but uh, honestly, like this is always such a sad answer because as a CrossFit games athlete, like we don't get to do very much outside of the gym just because like, you're always worried about getting hurt or getting sore or doing too, when the weather's nice, we're in like the heat of our train. So I'm absolutely not going to go and I don't know, do something super crazy that I would probably want to do. Or in the winter, like I've literally, I went snowboarding one time and tried, but like, I never, I'm going to, at this point in my life, am I going to learn how to snowboard? or ski right before my season. Like I can, it's just a little bit risky. And it's like, I've never really, you know what I mean? I'm willing to take that risk, but lately this is lame. I'm just using my fitness to walk a lot because <laughs> that's where I'm at in my season. With oh, yeah. I'm using yeah. my fitness to listen to audiobooks while Literally. I walk. <laughs> I'm walking like probably two hours a day and it's, it's actually tiring. Like I'll come home and I'm like really tired from it. And I'm like, I can't imagine if I was running this far, but Um, it's just amazing how like you can get out and like go on a hike or like when we were in Hawaii, like we hiked like 11 miles and it was like kind of a treacherous hike. 
And I was like, so thankful for my fitness after that. And I was like, I can't, you know, you're passing all these people on the hike. And I'm thinking, how is this person surviving this hike? Like I'm struggling right now. Like this is hard. (laughs) My legs hurt, my feet hurt. And these people are like going, you know, passing us, like they're doing the whole thing. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm so thankful. Like my husband and I like finished it. And we're like, we are so thankful that we were fit enough to handle that. And like, we weren't sore the next day from it because we're used to using our leg muscles and like stuff like that. So we don't get to do it often, which is sad. And hopefully someday we'll get to do stuff like that more. But um, I think that's one of the first experiences where I like really felt it. I was like, holy cow, it's so nice to be fit or just like, I mean, I was a swimmer, but like we're out snorkeling and swimming and like, I could do that all day and not get tired. It's like, it's, you take that for granted. Like, and especially me being a swimmer, I like, you know, I'm with other people who aren't super comfortable in the water and it's like, I could be out there all day snorkeling and not get tired and not, you know, other than maybe give me some food and water, but like, I could just keep going and swim as far as I want to, and not have to worry about having to tread water and getting too tired and like things like that, that I've realized that like, wow, this isn't normal. Like most people can't do this or can't enjoy it this way because they don't have the fitness. So I guess just made me think of that, but yeah, those are definitely examples that I've been like, Oh, this is cool. (laughs) Would you look at that? It does pay off. Maybe it's a little excessive, but it pays off. (laughs) That's how when I was doing at Bloom was with me, the ultimate Hawaiian trail run, and you're like struggling up these muddy, like what feels like a mountain face. It's a hill, but it's like so treacherous. And then there's like some little island kid barefoot that's just like making his way past you, Spider Manning up this mountain. You're like, damn, I I thought I was fit until yeah. a barefoot six-year-old beat but barefoot people in Hawaii made me feel so weak I'm like my feet hurt so bad like how are you doing all this barefoot <laughs> yeah. just, all the locals never wear shoes they're just like oh no it's better without shoes I'm like <laughs> yeah oh not maybe I'll put that on the list but probably not anytime soon <laughs> Amanda if people want to stay connected see all the vulnerable posts that you're putting up and continue to watch your competition and how you evolve. How do they do that? Um, just find me on Instagram at Amanda J Barnhart. There we go. We'll link it. Amanda, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. I'm super, super grateful for this conversation. You guys, this was so fun. It flew by. Um, I hope I didn't talk too much and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I had so much fun. (laughs) 